Well, good evening, church. Good evening. I bless y'all. I pray y'all are doing well. I pray y'all had an amazing week, uh, especially as uh, February is coming to a close. Um, and so is this pilot series. We're so excited that y'all have been able to walk with us uh, during these uh, pilot sermons. And we're just excited that we got to see a couple of really amazing relationships. A few of them, of course, that uh, we've gone past. The um, first, first relationship we talked about was almost a, a peer-to-peer. We were looking at David and Jonathan, right? And we see these relationships throughout our lives. So you see a relationship, like almost a friendship, a commitment uh, between David and Jonathan. Uh, the next one that we talked about uh, was between Ruth and Naomi, very much one of a of, of family, one that you've chosen and also sometimes even adopted into. Uh, and what does it mean to go through uh, and to walk with someone during trial or tribulation or turmoil or hurt and pain? And now, today, we're going uh, to talk about, as we walk with someone, uh, we're going to be looking at the relationship between Paul and Timothy, very much one filled with love uh, and affection, compassion, uh, graciousness, mercy, but definitely one that could definitely be defined as a mentor, somebody that you look up to, a mentor-mentee relationship, and it's so exciting. Uh, So I'm going to be a little bit uh, vulnerable and transparent with y'all. As I was writing this this sermon, uh, when I talked about the ties of relationships and things that go on, with the heart, I'll never forget um, the moment I left Houston, Texas. So for those of y'all that don't know, if you don't know already, I've already said this plenty of times, but if you don't know me again, uh, I was born in Houston, Texas. I've been there um, ever since 2015. I grew up there. My family has been from Pearland, Texas, which is a little bit outside, so it's a little bit more country. So um, I I grew up in Southwest Houston, so I got a little bit of the hood with me, but then I also love horses and ranch life and all these things. So uh, I I love hip-hop and rap, but I can also sing Tejano and sing country in two steps. So I just love it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm this unique thing. So I just like, I'm here. What's up? And so, uh, but I'll never forget the moment. I can vividly remember the day I left Houston. And the reason why this applies is because uh, I remember the overwhelming emotions because of the relationships that I had. You see, in the weeks previous, we talked about how relationships uh, requires a lot of vulnerability, a lot of time, uh, just a lot of sharing emotions and feelings. And sometimes you can definitely be tied to a certain area because of the people that have invested and loved, loved you in your life. Uh, I remember uh, so much was happening during that time, at the time. Uh, there was a relationship that I was a part of. I had just came fresh out of my master's. Uh, and there were so many uncertainties, yet the only certainty that I had was that the Lord was calling me to San Antonio, Texas. And I was like, all right, Lord, you've called me here. Let's go. Um, I just remembered, uh, the, I remember the exact location when I was on I-10 where I began uh, to weep. This was not my strongest moment. I definitely, <laughs> I should have been singing uh, the song, I'm no longer uh, um, I'm just, I'm no longer, I have no more fear, right, as, as they're worshiping. I'm, I no longer have this fear, this anxiety, this doubt, this sense of needing to trust in the Lord. I was just weeping. And I remember the exact spot. And it wasn't my very much, it wasn't very much a be strong and courageous moment. I was leaving my friends, my family, my reputation, my mentors, and the men that I had in my life that surrounded me, that I was able to look up to, much like my father, they loved me. There were coaches, men at the church, teachers, and people that I bonded with. And there were many of those men that I took hours and the time with talking to. And I remember vividly crying out, Lord, 
I pray that you would surround me with men, with friends that would lift me up and that would be ones to invest in my life. I wept and asked the Lord this, and I can tell you this. In the four and a half years I've been here, the Lord has answered in a mighty way. Today, as we're talking about this mentor-mentee relationship, we see Paul and Timothy, and there are three points I want to touch on. It's first one is relational discipleship. The second one is one of a mentor and a coach. And the last one is one of a co-laborer. So if you would, please turn with me. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to be around uh, the book of Timothy in, in the New Testament. So if there's gonna, there should be pew, Bibles in your pews. But if not, don't worry. We'll also have it on screen. Um, and the first um, topic we're going to be talking about is relational discipleship. So um, I'm going to read just the first verse, and we're going to go into prayer. So we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1, literally verses 1 and 2. It's it's a very quick, easy in, uh, but there's so much in it. So let's read. Uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this wonderful, beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity for allowing us to gather here on this beautiful night, uh, Lord, to not only hear your word, but also partake of your table. Lord, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are, and that we would know you more as we dive into your word and desire to hear what you have to say. Speak through, Lord, and just be with us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, we see here in this very, the beginning of the very first letter of Timothy, Paul, of course, is addressing himself, but he's addressing himself with purpose, right? I'm here by command. I'm doing this by command from God. Therefore, Paul was already initiated in a mission, and he refers to Timothy, my true child in faith. And of course, he adds on grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the greatest gifts that you can already see that Paul is giving Timothy is already pointing him to the one that sent him. This should not be overlooked. This should actually be dwelled upon that the first, when he's addressing himself, he's also giving the greatest gift and pointing him to the greatest gift. To Timothy, my true child in faith, grace, mercy, and peace to God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. What a fatherly thing to do from the very beginning is to desire to bless you with the very best that he has. Because though Paul has so much that he has to teach him, he knows the greatest thing he can give him are these things that are given by who and who alone? By God. And so we see uh, in, this, uh, in this text, of course, he calls him my true child in faith. But we're going to turn a little bit. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 because how did you get there? So as you turn to Acts chapter 16, you can sit there and ask, how did you get there? How did you get there for you to be called already a child uh, in faith? And we see that, um, again, in relationships and in life, you end up walking, right? You end up walking. You end up doing what God's called you to do. And a lot of times, many of you right now, God is taking you to some amazing places in life. He's probably taking you different States, probably different countries, probably different cities. 
um, just different places in life. And when we talk about walking with someone, uh, that includes in moments where you are picked up and you are placed somewhere else. Or when you are on your journey to do what God has called you to do. And that's what we see here when we jump into Acts is that Paul is already doing what God has called him to do. He is advancing the gospel. So as we're here in chapter 16, you'll see it through 1 through 5. If you want to follow with me, it's also going to be on the screen. It says, uh, chapter 16, Paul came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple that was there named Timothy, son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and his father was Greek. We're going to touch on that in a minute. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were there in those places, for they knew that his father was Greek. As they went on their way and through the cities, they delivered to them from the observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were there in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in number daily. They increased in their numbers daily. So what do we see here? Paul, in the midst of his mission, Paul, in the midst of knowing that he is doing what God has called him to do, he has ran in to this young man named Timothy. The first thing that we see in the inception of walking with someone or building a relationship is having a sense of awareness. You see this in verse 2. It says, he was well spoken for, right? So before that, he goes, in verse 1, Timothy, he was a disciple. Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken for by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So on his journey to continue to doing what God has called him to do, what does he see? Another young man, eager to serve, eager to love, eager to be a part of what God has called him to do, knowing that his mother was already a believer, and though his father wasn't, he, was, he decided, this is what I want for myself. And so what does Paul do? He, he, he emphasizes and he walks into this sense of awareness. Paul was serving when he came to meet Timothy. You see, sometimes the greatest relationships in life happen while you're at work doing what the Lord has called you to do. And I'm not saying literally at work, right? Because some of us, you know, I don't know where you work. I don't want to judge where you work at all. But where you are serving, where you are taking your hands and loving others and doing the gifts and talents and abilities God has called you to do, you will end up to running into other people. And sometimes those other people will impress you. See, my dad used to always tell me, mijo, ten cuidado, people are watching you. Watch your testimony. People are watching you. And people were watching Timothy. Timothy had a good reputation. And so what did Paul do? He saw him and he was aware of him. And the very next thing that he did was he invited him. He drew near to him. You see that in verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because the Jews in those places uh, because of the Jews in those places, for they knew that his father was Greek. Paul desired to draw near to Timothy and to empower and encourage him to continue the work of the Lord. Paul drew near 
to a young man and decided to say, I desire you to walk with me. I want to invite you. And I want to urge you now. That is difficult to do. Because you might be in an older generation that doesn't understand the younger generation. But my encouragement to you is this, is that my prayer is that you would not be fearful because you don't understand them, that you would be able to see the heart of that young man, that you would be able to see the heart of that young woman, that you would be able to see just as much as I see them desiring to know God and serving God. That's the biggest relationship that I need in this. In this. I might not understand all these other things, but you know what? I'm willing to walk with you. I'm willing to become vulnerable. For you as mentees in this room, when you are walking around your where and you're seeing somebody that is at work like Paul and you see them doing the will of the Lord and you're like, man, I wish that I could have someone teach me as a coach, someone to love me, to walk alongside me, to, for me to know more what to do. I urge you, yes, it's a vulnerable position, but I pray that you would be bold to reach up and tap on a shoulder or knock on a door and say, hey, I want to say I admire and respect you. Can I walk with you? Can I take you to coffee? I know I've only got like 10, 15 bucks or 10 bucks, but hey, you know, Starbucks is, is let's, go. let's go. I'll get, I'll get water, praise God. <laughs> I don't care. Let's sit down and let me know who you are. Paul drew near, and then he was committed. You see that in verse 4 and 5. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered them for, uh, of observance. Uh, for observance and decisions had been made to reach by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. Not only was the invite sent, but now the work was at hand. You see Paul, in every sense of the way, Paul took Timothy under his wing and began to put in work for the kingdom. Church, I don't, I, I don't want to pass this portion up, but you have to understand, Timothy, his mother was Hebrew and a believer. His father was Greek. Paul was doing something dramatically different of that age. If this isn't the biggest form of breaking down the barrier of racism, bearing down the barrier of a zip code, bearing down the barrier of what they might look like, what they might sound like, what they might talk like, what they might walk like, the things that they've had, their backgrounds, it doesn't matter. Paul saw Timothy and said, this is the one that I want to love on. This is the one I want to invest in. Why? Because though I might not click on all those things, you know what I can click on? This young man wants to serve the Lord. And you know what? I want to walk with him. And as Timothy is there doing what he can do, serving as he can serve, and the people can see him around, and he knows with the bottom of his heart, Lord, if I can just serve the best way I can, he sees, he sees Paul and agrees and says, yes. Young people, I pray you would be bold to say yes. Oh, seasoned individuals, you saw that. Uh, seasoned individuals, I pray that you would invite somebody for them to have a position to say yes. Make a way. Make a way. Hey, yes, God. Make a way. So the second point is mentorship. You see this now. Come up, flip back to uh, 2 Timothy. Again, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses uh, 10 through 15. Follow with me as you get there, um, as you get there. but I'm going to go ahead and just jump on right on in it. It says, you, however, this is Paul talking, right? You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, and my faith, and my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings that have happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and at Lystrum. 
which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for the what? Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There is a beautiful relationship between player and coach that demonstrates belief and confidence. And yes, your boy big, I played football. That is what it is. But what you don't know is I also played soccer. I'm quick too. Um, but it doesn't matter what kind of coach there is. It can be an athletic coach. It can be a chess coach. It can be a music coach, art coach. It whatever kind of coach, there's a relationship there. And I pray you can relate with this sense of this relationship between a player and a coach. And it, and it involves, yes, a, a belief and a confidence but it's also an invitation for correction. I've heard this before, and I believe it. We love hard so that we can correct hard. Because if I love you, I'm going to walk alongside you. And if I see something that is not straight, I love you enough to tell you. And that's exactly what Paul does here. He coaches him. You see it in verse 10. What do you, it says in verse 10. Um, my bad. Next page. Um, it you, you see, it says, it's not this sense of, not a, uh, a do as I say, not as I do. Y'all have heard that before? Do as I say, not as I do, right? So go, go clean up this thing, the other, but then I don't ever clean up anything. That's not what you see here. But you see a disciplined relationship that demonstrates the desire to see what you are already partaking in. You see that. It says it again in verse 10. You, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith and my patience, my love and my steadfastness. Paul desires to show Timothy what he himself is already practicing in hopes that as Timothy continues to grow, as he looks up to his mentors, as he looks up to his family, and more importantly, as he looks up to God, he sees it demonstrated in action. This requires time. This requires patience, and this requires a ton of love, and it's so beautiful. The next thing that you see in the sense of mentorship is that you see this sense of experienced pain. You see it said in verse 11, my persecutions and my sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet of them all the, the Lord rescued me. The Lord rescued me. One of the greatest gifts you can give a mentee is the testimony of your failures to be vulnerable, to show them this is where I tripped up and fell and I don't want you to see the same. This is to set up someone well. On the side of us as a mentee, we must be ones to lay down our pride and realize that we do not know it all because isn't that the, the saying for us as we were kids? Like, mijo, you gotta go do this. I know mom. I know, I know. It's like, if you, don't, if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to have bad breath and people are going to make fun of you. I know, mom, I know, right? Oh, you just, you know it all, don't you? You just know it all, don't you? Okay, bet. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Let's go stink your breath. Go on ahead and do it. Sometimes we, at, when we're young, we can tend to just be like, no, I, I know it. I got it. I know. Well, man, you must know a lot. 
My prayer is that we would be able to set down our pride and come up to those that we love and say, like, you know, I have an understanding, but I don't know. Teach me more. Show me more. It's a beautiful form of vulnerability on both ends. For, for a mentor and someone that's walking alongside that has invited to say, walk with me, to also say, as you walk with me, I need to show you my scars. I need you to see where I've hurt and where I've failed. And my prayer is that you would learn from my mistakes so that you don't have to go through what I went through because I love you. It's a beautiful sharing of experienced pain, and it's a great gift you can give to one another to be vulnerable. And the last part of mentorship is the challenge to rise. You see that in verses 12 through 14. You see uh, how Paul is just encouraging him um, about all that is happening. Again, indeed, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He challenges him. He tells him from the jump, this, if you want to walk in the Lord, this is what you're going to face. This is what you're going to face. This does not shield one from the road ahead, but gives truth and perspective of God's faithfulness. Church, friends, I don't know if you've taken, uh, if you've been walking with the Lord for many years or if you're still taking your very first steps. Either way, you need to hear, man, as a church, we desire to walk together as a family. And the reason why we desire to, to walk together as a family is because we've heard stories of God's faithfulness. And there are times where I will hurt and I will forget the moments of God's faithfulness. And I need to hear a worship song that says I'm no longer a slave to fear, that I am a child of God. I need to hear and see my brothers and sisters in Christ that I can embrace them. And my prayer is that you would know you're invited into this. You are invited and God is inviting you now that you would be able to see this perspective of God's faithfulness when somebody challenges you to rise up as you walk with somebody. Last one uh, in this is being a co-laborer and an ally. You see this, and as, as, we're, as we're, this is my last point, you see this in Romans chapter 16. You can see it on the screen if you want to or you want to look it up later. Um, but it's, it's not a whole lot, but I need to just read this to you. Romans uh, chapter 16, verses 19 to 21, it says, he's talking to the church in Rome. He says, for your obedience, it is known to you all. Again, Paul is talking to Rome. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as it was for good and innocent as to what is evil, right? As to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Uh, verse 20, the, the God of peace will soon, what? Crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is a declaration Satan will be crushed under, under the feet of Jesus. And it says what in 21? Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. And he goes on to talk about a few other guys. So praise the Lord for Lucius and Jason and Sophia. But we're talking about Timothy right now, okay? They're important too. But what does he say? What does he call him? My fellow worker. My friends, there comes a time where the young will grow, the follower will lead, and the invested will produce. This is a fact of life, and it is a reflection of the legacy that Christ gives. These are all fingerprints of ultimately of what Christ gives. And that's what I desire to point you to. As we look at the relationship between Paul and Timothy, I need to continue to point you to Christ. 
Because at the end of Matthew chapter 28, you see him give the greatest commission of all time, saying to everybody, and he says it to you today, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go, go, and tell them of my teachings, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, what? I am with you always until the end of the age. What better picture of a mentor-mentee is that for Jesus to say, I'm still walking with you and I'm still going to be grinding with you. It is a beautiful picture that we see as co-laborers now we walk. Timothy has become his own minister and has proven himself to be a teacher and is now recognized by his mentor. And that in and of itself is a great gift. And as the, as the musicians come forward, this is my prayer, is that you would see this, this sense of recognition from Timothy, from, uh, from Paul to Timothy, that now Timothy has a good report. Paul has acknowledged uh, the church in Rome and more so he has acknowledged Timothy as his own servant. And that Paul has now passed on this baton of legacy. So where do, how do I apply this to my life? You see it at the end of chapter, uh, of the second Timothy. In chapter four, he talks about, I am being poured out as a drink offering. I'm being poured out. So how do we apply this to our life? We apply it by being aware. That we would, we would be aware of our company that is around us. That there, is someone that, that there is someone that you're walking with that right now you can look to or you can look with as you walk together. And the time is now. Because the most precious thing you can give somebody is your time. Money, you will get back. Uh, uh, material objects, you can get back. All these things, you can get back. But you, one thing you cannot get back is your time. And that's the greatest gift you can give somebody. So the time is now. Walk with somebody. Be invited, know that you are invited in this. Second thing is to have a call to action. Do what God has called you to, near, to do and draw near to someone. And the last one is to live the legacy. Understand that we live in a broken world and the reason why the gospel lives on now is because the word continues to be preached and those that leave this world to be with the Father pass the baton for you to continue to walk as you walk with somebody. I'll end with two quotes and that's it. Praise the Lord. And don't, I am a little bit of a nerd. I told y'all I come from different spots. So um, I got this quote from Yoda in the Star Wars series. I'll never forget. And if this is the last pilot series, I'm going to go all out. You better believe that. And Yoda says this to Luke as he's frustrated with his own disciple. And Yoda is a master. And Yoda's looking at Luke, another master, and saying, pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, mm. But weakness, folly, failure, yes, also failure, most of all, the greatest teacher failure is, Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. It's this beautiful picture of what a relationship looks like, just as Paul and Timothy had. And though this is a comic book or a fantasy representation of it, it hits, it hits right. So I end with the words of uh, Paul to Timothy. The Lord be with you, be with your spirit, and grace be with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, as we've looked and reflected on three different relationships in Scripture, we know that they ultimately point to the greatest relationship, which is our relationship with you. 
Lord, Father, you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to respond to the, sin, the brokenness of sin in this world. And that it is through him that now we can be considered and called sons and daughters of the living king. And though, Lord, the world would yell to us and say, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough and I'm not clean enough or I'm not all these things, you continue to, with, a, with a strong whisper, I love you. I want to walk with you. I want you to know me because I know you. And though you see these things, by you, you think you're defined by what you've done, and I'm telling you, you're defined by who I am in you. And so, Lord, we pray that we would process that, that we would believe in that, that we would truly walk with that in our hearts so that as we walk with others and walk with someone else, that we can demonstrate these relationships in the way you've called us to. So, Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for the relationship that we ultimately have in you and, and through that, having the body of believers. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've heard tonight an invitation. You have heard, maybe you've been invited here by a friend. Maybe this is the first time you've stepped foot into this room um, and you've just been invited. An invitation is something very special. Tonight we're invited to the table. This is the joyful feast of the people of God. People come from east and west, north and south to sit at the table in the kingdom of God. This is Christ's table. Jesus is host at this table. In the, in the book of Luke, when Jesus appeared to his disciples, they didn't recognize him, but as he broke the bread and blessed it, their eyes were open and they saw him, they knew him. Jesus is here with us, spiritually present in this feast tonight. Jesus invites those who follow him, who trust in him, to feast at this table together. If you don't know Jesus, if you have not yet heard of Jesus, if this is the first time you've ever heard the words, Jesus, we invite you, instead of coming to the table, to come up and pray with someone tonight, to ask the questions that you might have about who Jesus is, to, to wonder and to pray and to discover who the King of kings and Lord of lords is. But for those who follow and trust in Jesus, you're invited to this feast. This is not the table of First Presbyterian Church. This is not Alex's table or my table. This is the Lord's table. And all who love the Lord and trust him may come to the table. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for the privilege of knowing you through Jesus Christ, your Son. When we were unable to keep your commands and dead in our sins, you sent Jesus Christ to restore our relationship with you. Praise you, Lord, for that gift. When Jesus was on earth, he shared our joys and sorrows. He was fully human and fully God. He preached and taught. He healed. He loved outcasts and sinners like us. In obedience to you, Jesus went to the cross to die in our place that each one of us might be redeemed. And we thank you that Jesus is not dead. We know that he has risen and he rules the world as King of kings and Lord of lords. And tonight, remembering Jesus, we take this bread, we break it, 
We take this cup and we share it, pouring it, proclaiming his death for the sins of the world and his resurrection to all peoples until he comes again. So God, we pray that these elements, these common elements of bread and juice are set aside as symbols of Jesus' body and blood. Might they be nourishing to us as we walk in grace. That you would sustain us by your Holy Spirit, that we might be bonded together. We do not do this alone. We're joined to Christ Jesus. We receive new life through him. And as his faithful followers, we can, we can come together to feast as a community in this joy-filled kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for this gift of your son. Challenge us now. If there's something blocking us from coming to this table, whether it be a broken relationship, an unconfessed sin, God, help us to lay those out to you now. Remembering that you are the great forgiver, the great redeemer, and that your grace is enough for us. It is by our love for one another that the world will know that we are your disciples. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. Maybe. And he said, take, eat, each of you, and do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Do this until... I return. Friends, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And he is coming again. Tonight we will be taking communion by intinction. We'll have two stations up front here. If you need gluten-free crackers, they will be on the bread station right here next to me on the left or right. Um, but we will dismiss by Rose to come forward and take and share in this feast. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never be hungry. Whoever follows me will never be thirsty again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, for all is ready.